Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hey, it's Anthony here and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. As usual, it's always great to have you join us here. And if you're one of those people who have posted a review, I really want to say thank you for taking the time to do that. The ratings and reviews mean a lot to me. I read every one of them and I wish it was like social media where I could reply to you. But you know who you are, so a heartfelt thanks. And if you haven't already written a review, I have a little favor to ask of you, and that is that you rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. By doing that, it helps other people to find us, and it motivates me and my guests to keep producing great content for you every week. All you need to do is go to the Apple Podcast app, search Grow My Salon Business, scroll to the bottom of the page, select Ratings and Reviews, and write a review, and I would be very appreciative. So with that said, on with today's show. The underlying principle of every business is that it has to make a profit, and the sustainability of the business is dependent on that profit. And yet many businesses everywhere operate on a very small profit margin, and ultimately, that is why only a very small percentage of small businesses reach their 10th birthday. Now, there's many reasons why that happens, but typically, most of them come down to the lack of financial awareness and understanding of how to manage the business's finances. Too many salon owners operate on the basis that they will work hard, pay their bills, and what's left over is profit. However, that way of thinking is fundamentally flawed because, in case you haven't noticed, there's usually very little left over. So instead of the traditional accounting method of sales minus expenses equals profit, you need to turn it on its head and run your business on the profit first principle, which is sales minus profit equals expenses. If you're confused, stick around because my guest on today's podcast is Ronit Enos, author of the book, Profit First for Salons. In today's podcast, we're going to discuss profit margins in salons today, the steps to increasing profitability, the Profit First for Salons book, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Ronit. Hey, Anthony. How are you? It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm super excited. I'm really good. I'm super excited to talk to you. I know we've got a lot of stuff. We've already been having a bit of a warm-up chat before I push the record button. And we've got lots of ground to cover. I know you're going to have a lot of great stuff to share with our audience, no matter you know, where in the world they are listening to this. I'm going to suggest to you that you might want to grab a pen and paper. And this is definitely going to be a podcast where there's some great information in it. So I know a lot of people will know you, particularly in the United States. Outside the United States, maybe you're less well-known, but I suggest that's quite possibly about to change because of the book that you've written. But before we get into that book, we'll, we'll come to that after. I want, to, I want to go right back to the beginning. You're a hairdresser. Let's start with that. How did you get into this industry? I think it was around 16 years old. I went to my hairdresser, you know, back in Europe or Israel. salons are the size of, you know, four chairs, five chairs. So it was very intimate. And when you go to a salon back home, it's like you're going to your best friends. You know, it's just you don't never want to leave. And even though people come and get their hair done, I was there to watch. So Mm -hmm. I was watching my hairdresser creating some beautiful things and talking and, and the vibes spoke to me so much that I asked him if I can work here. And, you know, and quite frankly, uh, he looked at me and was like, well, what would you do? And I said, I don't know. I would just watch. So let to say I didn't go to work there. But what I did do is I got my hair done every other week, you know. And finally, after a few months, my mentor at that time said, Renit, you know what? Why don't you just come and start working here? So I negotiated with my mom. I said, mom, can I 
can I start working at the salon? And she says, well, if you do your homework, you finish your homework, you can go and, and work a couple of days. And that's how my career started cool. by okay. being around that vibe. Right. Yeah. So, and this so is that, in Israel. This is when like, this you is grew up in Israel. Israel. Right. Yeah. Okay. This yeah. is back in Israel. So I had the fortune to work for a brilliant hairdresser, a great business owners, just to see how business was running was, was just amazing. And then after a few years, I, I got the, the pleasure to be sent to L'Oreal School of Paris by my mentor. And, and I've, that's where I've learned how to do balayage, right? Because that's kind of like the way we used to paint hair. Sure. And, and so that was my beginning. And it was in, in Israel. And I did that alongside uh, being a student at high school. So that was my my beginning. A few years later, a minute later, when I got married and, and moved to America, I didn't practice hair in the first two years that I spent my time in America. My husband and I, we got married and, and had two children and lived in Connecticut. So for me, hair was so, mm, I don't know, this is not what I'm used to from back from home. And I didn't think that's going to be my future in America. But it turned out to be that I did choose this industry because this industry is unique no matter where you are around the globe. And that's my vibe. So, okay. That's, yeah. All right. so, so you were married in Israel and then decided to move to the United States. So I no, it was the other way around. Oh, I right. met okay. my husband. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot to this travel because remember I'm not, 25 years old anymore. I had a few years on, on me. So yeah, I was flying for Alal Airlines for a couple of years. Yeah. And I met my husband through my travels and very romantically got proposed in one of my travels. And I said, yes. And I moved to, to America and Connecticut was my first country that I actually lived here. Yeah. And that's where, that's how I started my life in America. I learned from where I considered the best beginnings. And I learned study at Santa Monica Vidal Sassoon. And by the way, you know, Angus was one of the students at that time. Okay. And that's how, cool. yeah, and that's, that's how young I am. See? Yeah, yeah. And, and then from that point, I adapted to so many ways of America. I've learned a lot and, and practice hair until I opened my first salon. Right. So that's the bit I wanted to get to. So, you know, because that's where so much of your story, that, that is, a, you know, everyone has a story and everyone's mm. story is different, but there's also a point where they all sort of merge. And there's a, there's a mm. day where we wake up and we decide that we're going to open a business of our own and, mm. you know, armed with enthusiasm and passion and a strong work ethic and yada, yada, yada. We, launch into our own journey of ownership. Tell us about that journey for you and what that was like, just the sort of highs and lows of it, because obviously, you know, I'm sort of trying to paint the picture here of you're just a normal person who opened up a normal salon with all the challenges, the highs and lows that everyone else goes through. And so let's paint that picture a little bit, and then we can talk about what happened after that. So, Anthony, you're talking about the high and lows of owning a salon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the high of the high and lows of running a life. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you when I wanted to open a salon, for me, it was a dream. And it wasn't so much a dream about owning a salon. For me, it was I missed my home so much. I missed Israel so much. And that the culture of Israel I was living in a fantastic place in Boston, mm -hmm. but I missed my family. I missed my friends. So the reason it was a, it was a cocktail of two things. It was first, I needed to create a little, a little something, something that reminds me Tel Aviv and Paris and, and Italy. And, you know, the vibe that you sit down in a coffee shop and you meet with your friends and you kiss each other and you have a cup of coffee and you talk. I needed that. Yeah. I didn't have. That. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I felt like the, the area needed that. You know, I was living in the suburb of Boston 
and all mothers that either working or mothers that are stay at home. And I always felt like this is what needed here is to bring that some sort of a culture. And if I can combine beauty with that and making people feel amazing, I'll do that. And that was the reason why I started a salon. Now, did I knew business? No. But in my childhood, there was always, I never used to play with Barbies. Okay. I never used to play with hair. And so for me, I, I loved shoes for sure. Always loved shoes and loved fashion. But it was for me, I played with <clears throat> Monopoly money. You know, I pretended that I owned the bank. Okay. I spent a lot of a lot of time in my room, and that's where I knew that one day I'm going to own some sort of a business. I just didn't know at that time what it was going to be. Yeah. And uh, so to me, it was uh, it checked some boxes. You know, it was running a business, owning something that I wanted to create, and I wanted to create a vibe. And that was the reason why we opened and we called it Maxim. Mm -hmm. And Maxim in Hebrew means magnificent. And Maxim around the world is a fabulous restaurant, like delicious food, but delicious vibe mm -hmm. in Paris where it originated. So that was my dream. And that what came alive. And, you know, we owned it for 17 years. So it was a delicious dream, a great idea, but we were born in a recession. Yeah. We were born in a tra tragic times. And that was September 11. And so we were born in, in a time that was challenging. So not only I didn't know how to open a business, not only that I wanted to open a beautiful idea, it was in, in a really tough times. So yeah. talking about up and down, right? That was a roller coaster, up, down, up. Down, up, down, up, down, you know, all the way through two years. But we were very lucky. We gotten, we expanded. We got really big. People loved us. And there was a reason for us, for it, I think. And we had to expand and had a second opening, right? And we got to go bigger. And we did. And so many times, you know, you think to yourself, you're going to go bigger and better and bigger and better. And what you don't know is that, Business is, is a live thing. It's your heart. Mm. And the heart needs oxygen and needs blood and it's good nutrition and, and needs some happiness and love and, and all of the things that goes into a business. And you learn that running a business is, is just a challenge constantly. So if you're in the business to enjoy a relaxing time, well, you're choosing the wrong, the wrong career for yourself. Yeah. How many, how many you know, people did you have on your team? Well, in the beginning, I had just myself. Okay. In the beginning, it was just myself. You know, I loved having the idea of building from scratch and not taking, you know, people yeah. from different, from different salons. So I started scratched and over a year we grew to 15 people. And okay. I didn't, and I told you, Anthony, I don't remember names. So I can't, I couldn't remember half of the people's name in my, in my salon, <laughs> you know, before you know it, I opened a second floor and there was a spa and, and I'm like, why am I opening a spa? Oh, because I wanted to have a massage, never had a massage in, in the whole two years that I had the spa. Yeah. And so, you know, so we had a lot of people in the beginning. And then when we moved to our second location, which was 2006, it was the largest space. It was actually, we went from, I think it was like 700 square foot to 1400 square foot. And, and that's your business, right? When you, you move to a second location. And so we needed more people and, and there was a total of, we, on an average, we would run between, you know, eight people, 12 people, 15 people, eight people, you know, that, that carousel that we would go through. And that's how we landed. We landed in 2006, which 2007, second recession. So talking about the up and down, there were so many things to learn. And we definitely went through those ups and downs. Yeah. I, I have been reading your book, which is fantastic, by the way. We'll come to that shortly. But, you know, the, the journey, I mean, I smiled to myself as I read, was reading through this period in your life. 
Because it was like mine. It was. I almost burst out laughing then when you said I opened a, a spa because I wanted a massage. And in two years, I never had a massage. Guess what? Guess what? I had a spa as well. And I never had a massage either. <laughs> Not once. Not once. Yeah. I've been dreaming about yeah, it. Exactly. Exactly. That was, that was, right? And never, never but that one. But, but the thing, you know, that came across was the, the honesty with how you spoke about ownership, the hard work that you worked long hours, long days, early in the morning, late at night, five, six, seven days a week, whatever it took. And yet at the end of it all, you know, okay, you were making a, a, a reasonable living, but at the end of it all, you, you just went, this isn't, this isn't enough. This business is, is just taking my life and it's not giving me back what a business should in terms of profit. And yeah. so what I want to ask you about is what was that trigger? What was that enough moment. I know in the book you mentioned something about, I think it was your daughter, but I'm not putting words in your mouth. Talk about that enough moment, because I I was talking to someone just on the phone the other day, a coaching client, and he was at that enough moment as well. He was young, you know, and and he's like, you know, he just needed to slap himself around the face a little bit and get back in there and fight the good fight. And he will. But tell us about that enough moment for you where you went, I'm good at doing hair. I'm good at building a culture, a vibe, a team, a community. But you knew there was something lacking, something that was lacking about business and financial control, et cetera. So over to you. Yeah. You know, Anthony, we probably could sit down and just have a podcast about what is enough is enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we can do it for hours. I mean, just learning about your your past and reading your books and going through all of this. We can talk about all of it, but the most important thing is to know that you are good enough, that I am good enough. And that took me years, years, you know, because, and I will tell you the story about my daughter, but there were more than just my daughter. My daughter was just an, the, the, the thing that says to me, okay, is this enough? I, I, is it good enough for you? <laughs> you know, but really what happened was my two children and, and the fact that I, you know, I was sitting with, with my client on Saturday and we used to do huddle at seven, seven o'clock in the morning. And then the first client would roll in at eight o'clock and that was my first client. So my, my client was sitting and I was doing her hair and highlighting and having fun and conversation, great coffee, great, you know, great food in the morning, so great. And then I get a phone call and Jillian, who was at the desk at that time, she says, Rooney, Bill is on the phone. And I'm like, is he? Okay. So I got, I got on the phone and Bill is my husband and I says, Hey babe, what's up? And he says like, Ronit, when you get in, here's where you need to park there. I, there is a parking right on the right-hand side of the building. And I'm like, what are you talking bell? I'm, I'm here at work. I'm not parking anywhere. I'm parked right here. And he says, Ronit, it's Gabby's symphony edition, her first cello edition at the new England conservatory of, of Boston. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I screwed up again. Screwed up another one. How can how can any mother forget her daughter's birthday? Mm-hmm. Not alone forget her daughter's first audition at a New England conservatory. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with you? So I was disappointed of myself. And so that's one story. I mean, there's that story of my son, you know, I think it was Friday. 4 p.m. His teacher, English teacher, and we're talking high school, is sitting in my in my on my table and I am doing her hair. And she says, So how's Willie feeling? And I'm like, feel great. Why? <laughs> that's her, that's his English teacher. Okay. This is how smart my son was at that time. And she says, Well, I haven't seen him. I'm like, well, what do you mean you haven't seen him today at school? He was at school today. She goes, like, Renita, I haven't seen him for a week. And I'm like, hold on one second. Let me call Bill. So I called Bill and I said, babe, Kelly's sitting in my chair. 
And she's saying she hasn't seen Will for one week. Do you know anything about this that I don't know? And that was another wake up warning. You know, Mm -hmm. we went through some really challenges with Will. I mean, the kids are phenomenal right now. But back then, there were some close calls, a lot Mm -hmm. of close calls that we go through, you know. And to me, that time with Gabby not being where I needed to be and that time where I couldn't even say to Will, well, what do you mean he's not at school? To me, it was, what is wrong with you? Mm. You know, what is wrong with you? What are you chasing? What are you chasing? And and ultimately, though, and tell me if I've got this wrong, but ultimately what this was about was the business was so dependent on Ronit being behind the chair generating revenue, generating revenue, generating revenue, you know, doing clients, producing money because you wanted to build a solid, profitable business. But no matter how hard you worked, it was never giving you the return that you wanted, but it was sucking up your life. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be a fair summary of that. I would say it's fair, but I would say it was more than that. It was the relationship that I had with myself. Okay. It was a relationship to am I good enough? You know, am I good enough as a mother? Am I good enough as an owner? Am I good enough as, as what I'm supposed to be? There was yeah. no, what am I supposed to be here? What's my role here? And my role there at that time was to make everybody happy, to make, to, to make sure that my client is happy, to make sure that my husband is happy, to make sure that my children are okay, to make sure that everybody is happy, but... It wasn't what I was supposed to do at that point. If I was deciding to, if I decided that I want to run a company, then I need to start thinking about, I need to run a company. Yeah. Okay. okay. If I, and, and if I wanted to be a stylist, continue being a stylist, then I need to be a stylist, not a stylist wanted to have a company. Yeah. And that was sort of the turning point. Yeah. That was it for me. Yeah. That was, for me. yeah. What, what would you say? the biggest mistake is that salon owners make specifically when it comes to money, when it comes to the financial side of it. So now we're talking about money, which I love talking about money. The biggest mistake is not taking on the knowledge of what numbers can do for you. Okay. Cause, cause we can have the most beautiful salons. We can have the best locations maybe have even great team because we have great culture. Mm. But if there is no cash sitting to support growth and you don't understand how to work with it and what the numbers can do for you, none of it is sustainable. 90% of salons are either living paycheck to paycheck or not even making 1% of profit. Yep. You work in endlessly for nothing. Mm. If you want to, so the biggest mistake is not learning everything you need to learn about money, about the relationship with money, and obviously about numbers. And that's fundamentals that we are not taught yeah. at all. So was, right? there a, was there a moment where you made that decision that, look, I'm working really hard here, but I'm working hard on the wrong thing? I'm working hard at being a great hairdresser and running a great salon, but what I need to be working hard at is understanding the finances and understanding how to make a business work from a financial perspective. Was was there a moment where you made that shift in your head? It was at that moment when I was thinking about it. I met Bill that night. I cried. I said, babe, I want to stop working. I don't want to own a business anymore. I'm just going to go back to stylist. I'm going to work three days only. I'm going to have my own time. And that's where, that's it. I just want, I want to be with the kids. And he said to me, Ronit, you spend so much time and money and invest, and we invested so much into this. You're going to have to figure out what is the problem? Why are you making it? And I thought about it. I thought, well, why am I where I am? And the reason is, is because we think that we need to squeeze another haircut, that we need to squeeze another color, that we need to do more so we can pay the bills. I mean, there's many things, but when it comes to money, we never really know how much money we do have 
in our company because we live and breathe in in a world of making money we make money every hour mm-hmm. we just don't know how to how to manage it how to multiply it how to create wealth and so we think that everything is is dependent of how many more things we can so- sell or how many more services we can give and it you you're afraid you're afraid to let go all these because you think that if you let go what you're doing you're not going to make money it's it's all dependent on you and quite frankly it came to my realization that i can be where i am for another 10 years and if i'm not going to learn what other people are doing that are successful what are they doing i'm not i'm going to be here forever so that day i needed to do something different you know it it wasn't going to work because I, i've had coaches i've had consultant and they all taught me so much and and i grew the business to be a good business it was profitable it was successful to a certain point but not enough to allow me to become a business owner not a salon owner a business owner yes. a company you know good distinction mm. and and that's where the shift happened it's like it's not about me anymore stop being so selfish it's about your promise to your people to your staff to your clients to your parents to your mother to your husband that's where it's about and you're good enough to let go what you're holding on and now it's time to start learning and so i learned three valuable lessons from other successful business owners that one of them was you know how do you handle your money and that was mike mckellowitz and i i read his book and i thought to myself wow that's just so simple why nobody explained that so simple to me and when i implemented it the cash changed 180 degrees and when it did you felt empowered to make smart decisions yeah based on based on what a company needs to be and and that's kind of like what shifted it for me anthony so i hope i'm answering the right question no you are you are i i i'm i'm going to jump in there just to make sure that people know who we're talking about mike mckellowitz you mentioned him he wrote a defining book i think for small business all over the world called profit first he's written several books but but uh, i'm not sure when it came out i'm going to guess 5 years ago and it was a fantastic book or is a fantastic book and it's about small business profit first and the the principles that he outlined in it are not hairdressing specific but they're about running a business and the importance of putting the profit first and and it's full of lots of great information lots of great advice we're going to come in a minute to ask about how you then ended up writing profit first for salons which is where the where the gold is but i just want to ask you and now i've forgotten what i was going to ask you <laughs> well, we were talking about we were talking about what was the defining moment of it yes and, that's and- what I, that's what it was i was going to say so who put that book in front of you was it yeah. you know was it someone <laughs> said to you you got to read this girl you know what i mean it's a moment yeah. in time where you see something and you're given something and that's the shift yeah you know i've always believed in 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 education right and i was always intrigued by business so as much as i loved being a creator of art and making people look beautiful and and all of that for me number one love was always business always intrigued by it and that's a long story but that's kind of like where where my background comes so i always looked for for books you know you were talked about the e-myth we talked about good to great and so there are so many great books to learn from that and and profit first was not there yet it it didn't but the entrepreneur toilet uh, the entrepreneur toilet paper or the toilet paper entrepreneur was the first book that he wrote mm-hmm. and there's a little section that makes you think 
or he, he writes about the, the logical behind the prophet that needs to come first. And that's what resonates with me. So I implemented prophet first before it was even written. Mm-hmm. And that made a huge change on my business. You know, we went from six to seven figures. And but even when you're thinking there are many businesses that are in the multiple of seven figures, but they run it like stylists, they still don't understand the cash flow behind it. Mm -hmm. So it's not about just creating wealth. It's okay. let, Let me take it back. It's not about creating more money. It's about creating wealth. Yeah. It's about creating financial security. Mm-hmm. It's about really understanding how to work with money and how to make the money work for you. Yeah. And, and that is the part that I needed more help. So, you know, that book turned me into the system. I implemented the system. But years later, after we exit Maxim Salon, we, I, read the prophet first because my friend Nicole, who was one of my financial advisors, said, Ranit, oh my God, you have to read this book. And so I read the book, I pick up the phone, and the next day I became one of his students. Fantastic. And we were one of the first students to become a prophet first professional in the beauty industry. Mm. And that's how, you know, it impacted my business tremendously. Did, did you still have the salon at that time? Uh, no, we already sold Maxime. So it was about a year and a half afterwards that I joined Mike's Profit First Professionals. Right. Okay. And that, yeah, that was, that was then. But I knew right from the, when I implemented the system, it wasn't so solidified. Yeah. So it was really following you know, the the entrepreneur toilet paper. So if you read that book, it's a phenomenal book. Mm-hmm. And that's what turned me to understand, wait a second, after all these years of, of knowing P&Ls and balance sheets and, and banking and accounting, and, and, and I still, even though I was taught how to read a P&L, I was taught how to read a balance sheet, it just, the numbers did not connect. They mm-hmm. just never connect. Yeah. But once they connect, it was magic. Mm. When it comes to the to producing cash flow and creating wealth, yeah, I have often told a story about my my very first boss. So forty years ago, he essentially operated a profit first business. He only banked once a week, and I can remember going into the staff room and at the end of the day, and he had all the cash out on the table, and he was you know writing up the checkbooks and credit cards and all this. And him taking, let's say there was $10,000 on the table for the week's takings. He took $1,000 and he put it aside and said, I'm going to bank that into this account. And that was his, essentially, that was his profit account. And then I remember him looking at me saying, and with this $9,000 that we've got left on the table, this is what we run the business on. And it is such a simple way of looking at it. And I know that, that Mike McCallowitz says it. I know that you say it in your book which is that it is not the traditional accounting terminology of sales minus expenses equals profit. It's sales minus profit equals expenses. In other words, what you've got to run the business on. Now, I know that it's a lot more sophisticated than that, but the essence of it is really where the magic is, isn't it? It's, you know, it's the essence of pay yourself first. I mean, whether it's Mike McCallowitz saying it or whether it's, you know, a book that I read years ago, Think and Grow Rich, it's probably 70 years old. They talk about the same principle in that or The Richest Man in Babylon. They talk about the same principle in that. That's almost 100 years old, that book, Richest Man in Babylon. Or, or more recently, what's his name? Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's this principle of pay yourself first. And so it, it, it is, it's not a new principle, but I think it's incredible the way that it's been turned into a system and how you've taken that system and made it very salon specific. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. let's, let's, let's talk about that. At what point did you decide that you wanted to write this book that, you know, there was a book called Profit First that had come out. Yeah. At what point did you decide, do you know what, this is good, there's, got a lot of, there's a lot of gold in here, but how can we make it salon specific? And what was that process like of then talking to a, a world-famous author and saying, I want to do a salon-specific version of this? 
Well, you know, I love, 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 love that you just brought Napoleon Hill into the picture. Because that part that he speaks of, he gives you more of the formula behind the thinking of Growing Wage. And I think that's a must book on every business owner that they have to have. Because you have the formula, but then you have to have the thinking. And you have to have the believing. And then once you believe, it is it is different approach to money, right? So that's kind of like why I love that you brought it up. What the profit first system is, like you said, it's nothing new. You know, Mike didn't invent it something, but he made it very simple to understand it. Mm-hmm. And this practice has been practiced in Fortune 500 companies. Yeah, it's been it's been practiced. Over, I think, 350,000 businesses around the world. Mm. It can be used as independent departments. So the method could be used in a spa department, in a hair department, in a nail department, in a law firm department, in a plumbing department. It is, it is how Fortune 500 runs their company, like you said. Mm. The thing is that. What, what's wonderful about it is that it has the principle of habit, using your habit. Mm-hmm. And just changing, it's not about changing you and how you do things. It's about, because you can make a decision tomorrow, okay, I, I made this much money, I'm going to go and buy 10 pairs of Prada shoes, just because I feel like it, 10 of them. It's yeah. your choice what you want to spend the money on. It's yeah. totally okay. But the thing is, the money is there. The money is there for you. And that is what we're missing. So I always, I, I know this is, you're going to like this analysis. My husband always said, always says, Renee, how is this has anything to do with this? Well, I said to me, that wouldn't make sense. So think about soccer game, right? We, there's 11 players in the soccer game and they're all chasing what? A ball. They're all chasing the ball. 11 men. Chasing a ball. And the goal is to put it in the net, right? So the whole time you're just chasing a ball just to get it in the net. But we say, forget that. Why you grab the ball already in your hands, run and then put it in the ball, in the net, right? So to me, that's kind of like, why are you chasing this all the time? I know it's a game. I know it's fun. And I know, you know, you have to have that. But the thing is, you don't have to. The thing is that you can create exactly what it is you want the business to do for you financially and reverse engineer it and create a system that allocates your income so it will be so easy to to manage your money. So, you know, I know budgets are super important and it's so great. And I don't know if that makes sense because I can I can talk about it all day long. I know it's it makes it it's Budgets are amazing, but sometimes we analysis paralysis when it comes to budgets and we never get where we want to be. Right. So but if you knew that you have ten thousand dollars to spend on education and ten thousand dollars to spend on your shareholders and you have ten thousand dollars to spend on whatever you want and then you have ten thousand dollars to give your tax your taxes because you have to otherwise you'll stay in jail and then you have ten thousand dollars to you know pay your bills it's so easy now to make a decision whether I want to buy shoes with that ten thousand dollars or do I want to buy something different mm. do, do you know what I mean yeah, so yeah, yeah. when you when you have the envelope systems, which our grandparents used to use, but when you have something so easy, it's easy to manage. Then, then you can reproduce something. You can make really good decision. I, I speak to so many salon owners and the very first thing, can I afford hiring another person? Can I afford this education? Can I afford you know things that I really want? And the thing and the thing that it's so easy, it's like, well, you should know if you can afford or not. And the reason why they're afraid about growing, they're afraid to go about growth and investment is because they don't know what they can afford or not. Because if you look, you know, most, most, this is really great because when you look at salon owners and you ask them, how many accounts do you have? 
How do you handle your money? Well, then some of them might have two accounts. Some of them have one account. There are seven figure salons out there that have two accounts only, right? Mm -hmm. And they think that they can manage their money in two accounts, but you can't. Because look at this this way. If you're going to have in one account money coming and money going, you really never know the truth about what do you have in your account. You can't. It's like almost having you know online banking. So you look at your app. You're you're looking at your app. You're looking at your your phone. You're dialing into your account, and it says that there is twenty thousand dollars sitting in your account. And you're like, oh wow, I had a great month, awesome month. Well, shoes. You know yeah, you know those shoes. <laughs> I wanted to buy. You know the stain that I need to replace. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking. Maybe I'll get a used one, but now yeah. that I see twenty thousand dollars in my account, yeah, I'm gonna call. You know, I'm gonna get a new one and a gorgeous one, the one that I always wanted. So what do you do? You buy it, and then, you know, two weeks later, when when checks got cleared, and and something else happened, um, and you know, maybe you know, for us it's Uncle Sam, for you guys it's maybe somebody else. That says, hey, you owe more taxes? Suddenly you're like, wait a second, but there were $20,000 in my bank and I can cover all of that. How come there's only $2,000 in my bank right now? Mm. So what do you do as an owner? You go like, I'm super stressed right now. How do I pay payroll? Or how do I pay back? What do I do? And the thing is that now you're starting to think like, okay, let me go on sales mode. Let me get 10 more haircuts. Let me get 10 more colors. That's all I need to do. Yes. 10 more haircuts, 10, yeah. more, co 10 more colors. Mm. Do you see? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, totally. What led me, that's what led me to be on, on Kelly's hair. I have to take her. Mm. I have to because I need to pay back what I thought I had. So it's, it's a perpetual, constant will of, I call it, poverty. Because you just can never get out of the cycle. Yeah. Never. Not only hair salons, of course, it's all entrepreneurs. Exactly. So all entrepreneurs, all of us, you know, it's 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 business on owning mindset, you know, and unless we solve this problem, we cannot grow mm. and we cannot have financial independency. And so I don't know if that answered that question. No, 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 that's good. That's good. I've got so many questions to ask you, and I'm very happy to sit here and listen to you. But I, I, I'm looking at the list of questions I've got, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to bowl through these quickly because they're important. Sure. So, so let's, uh, you know, I'm not talking 30 seconds, but <laughs> you know, what I mean? We're, we've got a good 15 minutes left. One thing I wanted to ask you about is that how did you adapt the original profit first to fit hairdressing? Was it with the what, what was the single biggest thing that you thought this isn't going to work for hairdressing salons like this? It needs to have this done to it to be, you know, as effective. So what how would you answer that? Yeah, it's a good, it's a great question. I decided that I'm gonna test this out and I opened a beta. It worked for me. I adjusted it for me at running my salon. I ran by by that. It wasn't easy. So I, I thought to myself, there's got to be an easier way to do it. And so I created a, a literally a beta with three clients and there were actually four clients and they were willing to take the beta. And we were, we, my guide at that time was Aaron at Profit First Community and we went through it. So we went through 12 months of implementing Profit First and working with it. And I got a lot of feedback back and forth. And we adjusted a few things about it. We, we created, my husband and I, we created a, a document, if you may, an Excel sheet, if you may, that helps anybody who is not savvy, and I wasn't savvy, who is not savvy with Excel sheet, fall in love with understanding the numbers. And we created a system that, that allows them to understand that you have the money, but now what you need to do is you have to understand how to allocate the money. Yeah. And the fear goes, well, what if I don't have 
this money here and and I need to pay up bills because they always worry about bills. And I prove, we prove it to them that the money is there by showing them the money, literally mm. showing them the money is there. And they don't believe it until they exercise it. So it's really by doing and seeing the money starting to, to compound is that when it starts saying to themselves, oh, it works. It really, really, really works. Mm. So I'm going to continue doing that. And as you continue doing that, the money grows and the money grows. And then suddenly, if you need to hire somebody, let's say you needed to hire an operation manager. Let's say you wanted to hire, you know, another service provider. Let's say you wanted to invest. You know that in the very first six months, it's an investment. And maybe the investment for the very first six months is 18K. You have that money sitting there helping you invest the money because you know you're going to get it back in the other end. Mm -hmm. So instead of you chasing that constant chase, you don't have to anymore. Yeah. It's there, yeah. you know? And so I, I hope that answered that question, but that's kind of like, it works when you actually do it. Yeah, sure. And once you do it, that's where thinking rich comes. You believe in it and you keep doing it. Yeah. Okay. A quick one. You've already mentioned <laughs> this, but I want to just go back to it. And that is that I, I know you now have a, you don't have the salon, but you have a consultancy salon cadence. So you get to see, like I do, lots of different salons all around the world and you get to see you know, behind the curtain, so to speak. So in your experience, what do you see the average salon profit margin is in this industry? That's a funky question, right? Well, it's not You're a trick question. No, it is. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's like, I mean, you alluded to it before and you said that most salons make hardly any profit, like, you know, one or 2%. I mean, when you read any trade magazines, et cetera, they will, will often quote a figure. And I'm always dubious about quoting figures because sometimes the, the research is not necessarily from a very wide or reliable, you know, sort of resource. And unfortunately, that often happens in this industry. But you'll often hear it said that the average salon out there is making you know, four, five, six percent profit. And that sort of is a figure that's often quoted, whether you're talking about in the US or the UK or the United States, sorry, or Canada, you know, North America, whatever, is that it's not generally speaking a very profitable industry. So in your experience, looking at lots of different salons PL, do you sit there and go, yeah, that is about right. The average salon is barely profitable. Would you agree with that or not? And I'm Absolutely. talking about before they've worked with you. Oh, yes. Oh, before. So when we get them, Anthony, yes. So I would say 70% of small businesses, including salons, are not profitable at all. Yeah. Lifestyle. At all. Yeah. Okay. And maybe 20, 25% of them, you know, I mean, if you look at Google's, Google mm. statistics, it will tell you that 25% are living paycheck to paycheck. So their profit is zero. Yeah. It's equal. You know, sometimes they run at 5%. Yeah, I made it to 5%. Mm. Sometimes they're running underneath 5%, but only 5% of small businesses, including salons, are actually profitable and thriving. Yeah. And if and if we get them, you know, we don't get a lot of those salons that maybe we get they're thinking that they're profitable, mm. but they don't know what they don't know until they see those. So there are, I would say that 5% are profitable, very profitable. And what can you be? That's the question. Well, that's, can that you is be the next question. So, so what do you realistically think that people as a salon owner, that they should be saying, I can achieve and I mean, I know there's unicorns out there that do ridiculous, yes. Yes. you know, but yes. for the average Joe out there, 
you know, is it, listen, you could achieve 10% all day, every day. If you yeah. just get your ducks in a row, so to speak, yeah. if you follow this system, you can pretty well guarantee you can achieve 10%, 15%. Hey, you know, I come across salons occasionally that are doing 20% or even more, but they're the unicorns. You know, what would you like to say is a number that you think a salon owner should yeah. be aiming for? Would you, would you say 10%, 15%? If you don't mind, I'll speak a bit in the profit first language. Okay. Okay. Let's say let's say that that your your income, your top revenue, which is what we call the real revenue, is anywhere between five hundred to a million dollars to one million. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's your real revenue. We suggest that as profit, what you should have in cash in your bank mm-hmm. after the owners got paid. After your Uncle Sam or your taxes being paid, and after you manage your operation correctly, okay, we suggest that you should have sitting in the bank cash, like you can touch it, not here today, gone tomorrow, Mm. 10%. Yeah. At minimum, okay, 10%. Mm. That's what we suggest. But this is after, as an owner, you took 20%. So if you think about it, if you're $500,000 operation right now, then that means that you have cash to play with and reinvest. You have that as $50,000 sitting in your bank after you pay taxes and after you paid yourself. Mm-hmm. So if you paid yourself $100,000 and you have $50,000 and you pay taxes, this is how successful you are. And, and you know, Anthony, it doesn't have to be only that. It could be more. Remember, it's that question about, do I want to spend that money on shoes or do I want to spend that money on car or do I want to spend it on something that I think is necessary to multiply my revenue? Because yeah. now, now when you have that 50K and that's where we never think wide, we think linear. When we have that 50K, that 50K, let's say we take 25K and we can reinvest in another revenue building machine. Now now we have more cash working for us. And it doesn't have to be more service providers. It doesn't have to be about selling more hours. It could be selling some great retail products. It could be partnering with another company that together, collectively, we have another business venture together. So now there's a lot more in the pot to support your staff, which I call them shareholders, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and that is how the money needs to be worked as, you know? Yeah. Okay. generate work for you. Yeah. So when you said, is it, is it 10%? Is it 20%? I figured if I give you just an analysis of if you're between the 500 and the 1 million, this is what you could have yeah. if you follow this. Yeah. I have the advantage over a lot of the listeners is that I've read most of the book. So I'm sort of joining the dots here with what you're talking about. So, and I'm going to encourage people to, to, to get this book. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it anywhere. The good books are sold, but we'll come to that at, at the end here. One of the things that I know that you're big on with the Profit First you know, methodology is looking at how you can reduce your overhead, looking at what are the opportunities that already exist on your P&L to reduce your expenses? Yeah. So the question I want to ask you is this. Is there one particular expense? In your case, it's probably going to be Prada shoes by the sound of it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> seriously, is there one particular expense that you see time and time again that salon owners should be focusing on reining that in because – that saving goes direct to their bottom line. Absolutely. Amazing. The first thing I would say is look at your subscription because I bet there is money to find there. So I typically say you can find about 10% of how to shave and where to find more money where you're bleeding that you don't even know that it's there. 
So the best, the best thing to do is download all your, your statements, all your credit card statements, every, anywhere that you use to spend your money and start looking with a magnifying mirror and find anything that doesn't look right. Many times, some companies will charge you twice in a month by mistake. You just don't know it. Mm. So I would go and every item for the, for the last three months, don't go a year, forget about it, but the last three months and highlight in yellow anything that looks odd. And you will see that typically it's subscription. That's number one. If you wanted to shape the first 10, 10%, I would go into your GNA, typically on the credit cards, find out what are the things that you should not be spending on, one. Number two, what are you getting charged things that you shouldn't be charging, something that you totally forgot, typically subscription. Yeah. Is there an opportunity for you to look at what percentage on your merchant's credit card machines? What are you being charged? Can you shave one or 2% from your credit card merchants? Now, I will tell you, if you're making, let's say, $500,000 a year, and most people charging by credit cards, that's a big shave, right? If you go into the million and if you go into the two million, multiple millions, that's huge saving mm. right there. So that's one of the things that I always look at the beginning, you know, with my magnifying mirrors. Yep. Unfortunately, the bigger, the bigger, you know, deficit is payroll, payroll and rent, right? Mm -hmm. And so you cannot change payroll overnight. That's something you shouldn't be doing, and you and, and you and that's where probably where the biggest impact that you can do for your business, but that requires coaching. You don't want to do it on your own, and so that's another one to look. That's another big one. So look from the smallest wins, and go slowly, and see where else you can you can shave. Typically. 10% right off the bat that you can find, which is huge, right? But better in my pocket than, you know, scattered around all those, as you say, subscriptions, all the apps and memberships and things that money just drips out of there every month. I mean, you know, I, I totally can relate to that. And I know a lot of salon as well as well. Look, we need to, we need to start wrapping up, but I, I just want to ask you two questions here. First one is, What's the most important thing that you've ever learned? And that doesn't have to just be in hairdressing. It could be in hairdressing. You might be talking about the most important thing I've learned in business or the most important thing I've learned in life. Like, like what is one little nugget that you'd say, I learned this and I just think that's what you should hang your hat on, so to speak? In life, in generally, is enjoy the process. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely enjoy the process. Make your decision of being a business owner, a mother, a friend, learning a new language, not be stressful, enjoy it. So for me, my number one value is time. Believe it or not, it's not money. I love money and I love being successful when it comes to it. Mm. But I've learned that time is the most significant, most important thing as a value for me. Yeah. So if I have time, then I can invest in learning profit first. If I have time, I can sit down right now with Anthony and learn so much from him and implement. If I have time, I can enjoy sitting uh, with any staff member and help mm. them grow. So well, that, time. Yeah. Okay. And that and that segues perfectly into the last question I wanted to ask you, which was, I, I often, I mean, we both know 80% plus of the people in this industry are women. And you've alluded to your story and the balancing act of, of trying to be a mum, a wife, a successful businesswoman, et cetera. You know, you've certainly got a few years left in you yet. Okay. <laughs> but as I said, you said, you're no longer 25. Okay. So what, wisdom would you pass on to the young Ronit who might be listening to this to how do you find balance between being the businesswoman, the hairdresser, the mum, the wife, 
What is the what is the key to to making all that work? Because I know there's a lot of young women who are salon owners that listen to this who struggle with that all day, every day. Do we have three minutes? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you three minutes. When I was a little child at the age of, I think it was 14 to 15, my parents went through a horrible divorce, a horrible divorce. Mm -hmm. And one of the choices that my mom had to do as a Jewish religion, you cannot get a divorce unless the husband gives you the authority with a rabbi to be divorced. Tilted, believe it or not. And so the choice was to either stay with my, my, my father at that time says, I'll keep my brother and you take the two girls. And that's the only way I'm going to let you go. At that time, the lawyers said, do it because then we'll fight afterwards and we'll get, your, we'll get Sagi back, which is my brother. And unfortunately, that never happened. She got her freedom, but she never forgave herself for, for something like that. How would you know? How would mm -hmm. you know? No mother should ever be dependent on anybody to make the choice of freedom or the choice of being successful and independent. So my mission over the years has led me to where I am today. And my mission is to help every woman that wants to be independent and wealthy and not have to, to depend on anybody to do that, to be successful with that, to enjoy her life. So coming back to it, I would say, don't chase, don't chase balance because I still cannot find it. Mm -hmm. But love what you do. Believe in what you do. And I know it's a big word and it's very hard to do when you're 25 and 26 and 27. Find a great, a great mentors that speaks to you, that want your success. Surround yourself with people that are, are only positive and they are smart smarter than you and learn and apply and learn and apply and you will make mistakes. It's okay. But remember the most important thing is you never give up what you love, stick to what you love and you will soar. You will, you will soar. You will thrive. Surround yourself with people that want only good for you. And sometimes it is not your parents or it's not your best friend, okay? Sometimes it's the people that want the same thing that you want. That's the power of community. Mm. And you can only get it if you, you thrive for those people. And you know what? Those people, I always thought, oh my God, they're, th these people are just, they will never want to help me. Why would they want to help me? You know, I'm a nobody. I'm just Ronit. But that's when I grew up and I say enough is enough. You know what? Those people, they want to help us so much. They just want you to ask for help. So ask for help all the time. Well, that's a, that's a beautiful bit of wisdom to finish on. And yeah, really heartfelt wisdom. So thank you so much for that. I nearly didn't ask you that question because of, well, I thought we'd run out of time. So I'm so glad I did because I think that was the perfect way to, to finish everything up there. There's so much more we could talk about, but what I would like people to do is to get your book, Profit First for Salons by Ronit Enos. You can get it anywhere. So if you, you type that into Amazon, it will be available to you regardless of what country that you're in. So please get it. Please read it. It will help you become a better business person, a better business owner, and, and by default, you know, a better person, a more successful husband, wife, mother, father, whatever it is. So, Renee, whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram or other social media channels? So, on Instagram, it's Ronit.Enos. You can connect me there. That's a great place to start. You can always email me if you wanted to speak. I'm very approachable. You can go to Profit, Profitable Salon and Spa Facebook group. And we teach and we do a lot of great things on Profit First at that Facebook group. And if you want, if you're interested at all in, in learning about how to grow your profitable, profitable salon or how to have a profit first salon, 
We are live, do stream classes and master and masterminds every month. We have a live class. So join us with that. And you can find that on our website. So saloncadence.com or ronitinos.com. Right. Well, I will put all those links on the growmysalonbusiness.com website in the show notes for today's podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast with Roni Inos and have enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone, share it to your Instagram stories, and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on the Apple podcast app. So to wrap up, Ronit, any final words? Yes. You know, business doesn't have to be difficult and all the time. And so learn how to enjoy it because it's a ride. It's a great ride. I am one one thing that I would say, I never thought I'm going to be sitting here with Anthony and listen to Anthony and have him face to face all to myself. So just to be here is a dream come true. And so for all of you, every dream that you dream can come true. And that's kind of like my, my thank you to you, Anthony. Well, thank you so much. It's very kind of you to say, and I just want to thank you for being so generous with your time and, and sharing your wisdom with our audience today. So, uh, Rani Inos, thank you for being on this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.